Thursday. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we are in John 3 through 5. And man, this is good stuff. Today we get to hear exactly why John 3.16, you know, the most quoted, the most known verse in the Bible probably is so important. Today we get to hear what makes that verse real. I see a lady one time at the original Burger King in Mattoon, Illinois, and I she has that verse on her uniform, and I she has a great witness, and she's just an awesome lady. And I said, you know what makes that verse so good? And she says, yes, I do. John three seventeen, and I said, yes, and she quoted it, and it was so awesome to just have this exchange at the counter as I'm ordering some Burger King there. The Burger King in Mattoon, here's a plug for them, is awesome. It's like no other Burger King. You got to try that. So, but before we get there, this all comes because of a Pharisee that Jesus is making headway with. You know, Pharisees are the ones that are ridiculing him, that are persecuting him, that are wanting to kill him. But a Pharisee named Nicodemus, he comes and meets Jesus after dark one evening. And he is one that Jesus is making an impact on that in John, the book of John, we get to see how Nicodemus is being swayed to become a Jesus follower. He is one that is seeing that Jesus truly is the Messiah and his life is being changed by Jesus. So Jesus comes and has this meeting with him or he comes to Jesus after dark and he's like, we know that God sent you. So he said, he's like admitting that they know this. They're just rebutting him. But Nicodemus doesn't want to do this because he says, because it's evident by the miraculous signs and evidence that God is with you. And so Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So here's what's big in that statement. There's a that is such a loaded statement because unless you're born again, obviously, unless you're saved and have Jesus in your heart, you can't make it to heaven. True statement. Unless we accept Jesus and have Jesus in our heart and live for Jesus, we won't have a chance at heaven. Okay? You can't get in on your dad's coattails, your mom's coattails, your uncle's coattails, your grandma's coattails. Can't get in by just being good. You got to repent of your sins, repent of your past lifestyle, repent of whatever you want to call it in a life where we excluded Jesus from our life 
and say, Lord, I need you, and have Jesus in your heart and make him Lord of your life. It's one thing to know Jesus, know about him, know that he's real, but it's another to say, I need you to be Lord of my life. And that's how we see heaven is to make him Lord of our life. But here's the other thing, that that loaded statement, when we accept him, that's when we start really seeing Oh, that's loaded. See, when we accept him, that's when we start really seeing the kingdom of God around us. When we start seeing how God really works in us, that's when we start seeing that the things that happen in our life that are so cool and how God puts people in our path, that's how we start seeing it's the Lord. And we start giving God credit where credit is due and we really start seeing the kingdom of God around us because God puts it in our path and we give him the credit because he's the one making it happen and so when Jesus says that it's not lightly so you know, Nicodemus is confused by that because he's like, well, how does an old man like me get back in my mom's womb? And so that's when the Lord specifies, no, it's not a, a physical birth. It's a spiritual birth because the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And that's what's really cool because we walk around really, before we accept Jesus, we have we are spiritually blinded, we're spiritually dead, we're spiritually inept because we don't see but man when we accept jesus and we have this new life in christ everything changes in how we view things it really does and if you don't have jesus in your heart i mean all i can tell you is try it (laughs) here's a good example People are super, super critical of referees in basketball, especially because I coach a lot of basketball. But, I mean, in in most sports, football, baseball, basketball, uh, I'm doing basketball just because I'm getting ready to start our season. But here's what I know. I refed basketball. And unless you actually do it and understand what goes along with it, you don't see what they see. But once you do it and have to be involved in it, then you see things through a different lens and you understand differently what goes on on the floor through the eyes of a ref. And that's kind of given you a new insight to why things might be the way they are. If you had to call every foul that went on on the floor, the game would never get over. And there's certain times when you want to blow the whistle, but the game is so fast that by the time you actually were blowing it, they're already down the floor on the next play. Your job is to keep control of the game so that it doesn't get too Uh, physical and out of control and so if we when we come to Jesus we become part of the family of God and that's when we start really seeing 
his creation and the life that he gives us through a different lens, and we start really seeing what God sees. Even people, we see people in a different light because we see with different lenses and we start understanding better. So that's when we start seeing through, instead of a worldly point of view, we start seeing through a kingdom point of view. And it's really good. So I hope that helps a little bit. So Jesus explains to him that, you know, the Holy Spirit gives you Holy Spirit birth. And then, you know, we get to God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And then God, and then John three seventeen, for God sent not his son into the world to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That's huge because, and I love that verse. I made myself know that verse because so many times people want to tell you everything you did wrong and you do wrong instead of telling you how to have this relationship about Jesus and how much Jesus loves you and how much Jesus cares for you and how much Jesus died for you, even though you have this past life. Because he did it for us, even though we were already living this past life. Paul will write, which we'll read later, that even while we were still sinners, Jesus gave his life for us so that we could have eternal life. And that's really what this has in here right now that he was saying. So that's huge. And so the church has to, in general, has to get past the telling people how bad they are and just sharing Jesus up front and how great he is so that the love of Jesus infects people to where they want that. You know, it's like a new pair of Jordans or a new pair of LeBrons. I, those are so cool. I want those. And I've never even tried them yet, but I want those. And so we go get them, you know, if you're a shoe person like I am. So... Jesus goes on and says, God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. And that's truth, man. People that don't want to even try this experience with Jesus because they're satisfied, oh, I'm always going to be like this, they just stay away from it. And if you're the one sharing the light and if you're the one living in the light and if you're the one glowing, then they stay away from it. And, you know, that's true in a lot of things. You know, my wife and I have been in this health and wellness thing where we shed a bunch of weight we gained during COVID. And since we got married and we're back down to our married weight, which is so awesome. And people that knew us then that hadn't seen us when we gained a bunch of weight, they don't even recognize it. But then there's these people that knew us heavy and see us now, and, and they, like, shun us because we lost weight. Oh, you when are you going to quit losing weight? Oh, you lost too much weight. And it's like, no, you're just used to us being heavy, and we're just back to where we should be. And it's like we we are, like, 
making them uncomfortable because we are back to where we should be and living healthy. And it's almost like this scripture where, you know, well, maybe you should think about getting healthy with us. And some people do. Some people have joined the healthy wagon with us. But, you know, just like the, Jesus does and the scriptures are, God doesn't force himself on anybody, and we're not forcing a healthy plan on anybody. We just choose to live healthy because it's better for us. It's better for our health overall, and it really helps us in our day-to-day. And when we have Jesus, it helps us in our day-to-day because he goes on to say, those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they're doing, what God wants. And it's not that we're going in the light because we want, hey, look at me, look at me. It just means we're not afraid to live in the light because we know that's better for us than living in the dark. And I mean, look, living in the dark is... a little bit shaky because you can't really see. And I don't know about you, when I'm in the dark and I can't see, my eyes are bugged out and I'm feeling my way around and I'm hoping I don't stumble and fall. When we live with Jesus and we have him, he is the light and he promised he'd never leave us and he promised he would guide us. And the light cannot be extinguished by the dark. That's one of the scriptures too. So that's cool. So then John the Baptist, you know, Jesus talks about John the Baptist and how he's good. And John the Baptist talks about Jesus and how he's great. And then the disciples are like, but more people are following Jesus. And John the Baptist says, yes, he must become greater and greater. And I must become less and less because he came from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth, and we speak of earthly things, but he came from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. And so, you know, people are asking John the Baptist, hey, wait, he's, he's taking over. And he's like, yes, he's supposed to. That was his, That my job was just to prepare the way for him. And he's supposed to do that because he is of God, from God, and is God. And I just think that's cool that he recognized that and he just says that. So in chapter four, we get to the woman at the well. This is where Jesus does a few miracles in Galilee, then moves on to Samaria because the people are noticing that he's doing stuff. And, excuse me, uh, John isn't, so he just moves on down the road and he's going uh, to Galilee. Wait, he left Judea to go to Galilee, sorry. And then, on the way, he has to go through Samaria. It says that, John 4, verse 4, he had to go through Samaria. So he's on the way to a divine encounter, 
basically. Because they would always go around Samaria because the Jews had really nothing to do with the Samaritans because Samaritans were cross-breeded. Samaritans were part Jew, part Gentile, and they didn't really like that. And Jesus was like, you know, he just got to saying, God so loved the world. <laughs> so... There isn't one race better than the other. He goes for everybody. And so he goes and sits at Jacob's well, and it says wearily. So he's actually tired, but he has uh, an agenda. He's going there for this divine encounter, and this lady comes, and he asks her for a drink. See, what, what we have to see here is he's he knows this lady's heart, and he gets into a relative conversation. He's relevant. He's relevant in the fact that she's coming to the well, he's at the well, so he's talking water and getting water from a well. He isn't. She isn't coming there and he's talking about what his disciples are doing or how, you know, how's the weather. He's talking about relevant things that will create conversation with her. And he isn't, talking about hey i know what you're about i know that you what you do for a living i know that you're kind of promiscuous he doesn't point out right off the bat that you're hey you're bad you need jesus like so many people do in the church today or that are trying to get people to know they need jesus instead he just opens up with some free talk hey i need a drink Cause he, and if he's weary, he looks like he probably needs a drink, right? So she says, well, how how come you're asking me? Because you guys usually don't have nothing to do with us, and you don't even have a bucket. So how are you planning on getting a drink? And Jesus says, you know, if you know, if you know the gift God has for you, and who you're speaking to, you'd ask me, and I'd give you living water. And she's like, but you don't have a rope or bucket. How are you going to do that? You know, so the door's open. So now he can testify to her. And he's like, okay, good. I got this door open. I'm going to talk to her. When we talk relevant to people about things they know about, see, he, he opened the door because he talks about getting water and he doesn't even have a rope or a bucket. So now he's got her. And so he starts talking about anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty. So he's talking about the water from the well. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty. It becomes fresh, bubbling water that lives with them and brings eternal life. So now he's being a witness because he's talking about what the well is and he's talking about the living water that he is and he's sharing Jesus with them naturally. He's doing some organic outreach. And the woman's like, oh, yeah, give me some. I don't want to again i need some of that so then he starts just kind of casually bringing up her past okay go get your husband i don't have a husband yeah you're right you've had five and the guy you're living with now you don't even aren't married to and she's like whoa you must be a prophet 
So if you're a prophet, how come you guys have to worship here and we have to worship there? And then Jesus, that's another door opening. Because he didn't hammer with you prostitute, you hooker, you bad heathen because you can't even stay married. I mean, look at some of us, you know, myself have had issues with staying married. When God's not in it, it doesn't work. That's all I can tell you. I'm thankful for the gift that he gave me and my wife today because that proves that when God gives it to you, it all works out. <laughs> and he says to the woman, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter where you worship because when you worship, you got to worship in spirit because God is spirit and we got to worship him in spirit and in truth. And she goes, man, you know, the Messiah's coming and he's going to explain all this. Because she's like, that's deep stuff. I know he's going to help me understand this because I so want what you're telling me. And, you know, she's on the cusp of receiving, right? And then Jesus spills it to her. Basically tells her, you've received it because I am the Messiah. And she's like, Whoa. And so as the disciples come back, this woman leaves her water jug. See, that's significant. She leaves her water jug, runs back to the city to tell everybody about a man who has just told her everything she's ever done. And she leaves her water jug because it's like it symbolizes she is leaving her old life behind for a man who loves her for who she is and doesn't hold her past against her. She has accepted the love from someone who loves her for the person she is, not the service she can provide. And she is excited. So then the disciples are like, they're like wondering what the world was she doing here? And they say, you know, here you need to eat. And he's like, Jesus is like, oh, no, my nourishment comes from the Father. And, you know, so Jesus goes into the, f the food of the Father and the f nourishment of the Father. And then the woman brings all these people back and they urge Jesus to stay and many more believers come because of her testimony. See, after we get saved, we are so excited for what Jesus has done in us. We want people to know and we steward that and that's how more people come to know Jesus. And this woman because Jesus didn't chastise her right up front and tell her, you know, you're so bad, you can't, you, you need me. Instead, he talked to her with love and compassion and was relevant in opening up the conversation, was able to get through that exterior into the core and really help her see that Jesus can change her life. And through that, she had an experience with Jesus, has a relationship with Jesus, in the spirit and was able to bring others to Jesus. And that's just so cool. That's what we need, people. And we just need to help people see that he loves us no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. 
and that his spirit, the Holy Spirit can heal us of all past wounds. And then we have this spirit family that will just help us walk the walk with him. So then it shifts to a, a family in Galilee that has a, uh, that gets met from an official from nearby Capernaum whose son is very sick. And the official comes down and he's like, hey, my son is really sick. He's going to die. You know, this sounds almost like Jairus, but this isn't Jairus' story. And he's like, we need you to come heal him. And Jesus is like, well, you guys never believe unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. And the official's like, you know, kind of feeling like Jesus isn't going to heal him, but he's asking, he's showing faith that I believe you can do this. So please come now before my little boy dies. So Jesus just says a word and he says, to the official, he says, no, go back home. Your son will live. So the man believed enough in what Jesus told him, step two, and started home. Okay, so he had enough faith to go ask Jesus. He had enough faith that when Jesus said, no, he's going to be fine, just go home, back to Capernaum. So he goes home believing that his son's going to be okay, and when he gets on the way home, he gets word from one of his servants that his son was alive and well. So he asks him, hey, about what time did that happen? Because he remembers when Jesus said, he's going to be fine, go home. And the guy said, oh, about one o'clock yesterday. And his father realized then that that's the time Jesus said, your son will live. So then his faith and belief was strengthened. And because of that, he stewards that testimony and his entire household became believers. See, that's what happens when we have the faith and belief in what Jesus is about and does. That's how we see the kingdom of God because we see that all this is only because of what God does and what he can do for us. And that's because we are born again and we believe. And that's so cool. So then the story goes into John 5 because Jesus goes, returns to Jerusalem, and it's we're at the pool of Bethesda. There's a guy there that's been paralyzed for 38 years. He's never been able to get into the pool because when it bubbles, other people get in before him. So Jesus just asks him, do you want to get well? And he says, well, I do, but I can never get there because no one's able to put me in the pool when the water bubbles, so someone always gets in before me. And Jesus said, okay, stand up and walk. And instantly, the man was healed. It's that easy. Jesus just says the word, and he's good, okay? But here's the thing. Remember, this guy makes excuses on why I can't get there. And I always said this, man, if I'm there 38 years, I'm crawling there because I know that pool's going to get, if I can't crawl, I'm rolling there. Some way I'm getting there so the next time it bubbles, I can just flop in that water. If I know that is my ticket out of there, I'm doing something, right? So that 
this why Jesus, in my opinion, that's probably what prompts Jesus to say, do you want to get healed? You know? And so, because here's what happens. The Pharisees get upset with him because it's the Sabbath and you're not supposed to pick up your mat and walk on the Sabbath because they consider that work when you're walking around with your bed mat. And so, excuse me, they ask him who told you to do that and at the time he didn't know and then Jesus finds him later in the temple and says to the man, this is Jesus because Jesus knows that he's received this healing but he knows that he really should have been healed earlier and his heart might not be just quite there. Jesus says, you're well now, so stop sinning or something even worse might happen to you. So when Jesus does this great work in us, man, we need to be thankful. We need to be excited. We need to be stewarding that and telling how great God is because we need to recognize it came as a blessing. And so I, you know, we don't get a whole lot more about this guy after that, except when he knew that it was Jesus, then he went and told the Jewish leaders it was Jesus that healed him. So I don't know if he uses that as a scapegoat or if he just is excited because now he gets it. Oh, it's Jesus. It was Jesus. But, I mean, Jesus did it, and no one else could do things like that. Maybe he just didn't know his name. But God knew his heart. Jesus knew his heart. And so Jesus just gives us that warning. Hey, when you receive such a miracle, and I know people like that. God has literally clutched them from death. We need to steward that and not fall back into a wayward way of life because, you know, worse things could happen. And I don't want that to ever happen to us. So five closes out with Jesus uh, saying he can't do anything without the Father because he is the Father and the Father is in him, and the Father gives him all authority, and he's the Son of God, and uh, the Father works everything through him, and that anybody who believes in him believes in the Father, and it's just a really big dissertation. Chapter 5 ends that way, where everything Jesus does comes from what the Father gives him. He doesn't act on his own accord because everything he does, the Father gives him. And he is one with the Father. And all things he does comes from the direction of the God that he came from, who is in him, who is him. And so he points out that if these Pharisees who are supposed to know the Bible believed what they say they believe, they would know that Jesus is of the Father and they would get that. And that because 
it's called the Book of Moses right now. If they really believe the Book of Moses, since they don't, they don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God, then Moses will be the one that that judges them on Judgment Day because we're all going to rise, and those that have accepted Jesus will go on to live eternally in heaven, and those that have turned away from Jesus and rejected him will go to live eternally in hell. And that's in there, and that's good stuff. So here's what today is good with. Know that Jesus is relevant, and he wants to live in relationship with you, and he wants you to know that whatever our past is, he loves us, he died for us, so that we could be in relationship with him because he thinks we are worth it. So much so that he would give his life for us so that we could have life with him in heaven. I don't know about you, but I think that's huge. So this Thursday, let's make that commitment. Lord, I love you and I need you. Have a great day. We'll see you. Word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain? Washing my